You are listening to the Red Roots Podcast. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Doing well today? Yes, very well. Ramon's here, Simon's here, Melinda is not here again today. She was supposed to be here, but we are, so, you know, of course, just a few days before Christmas, like it's supposed to, our washer broke, so we had to get a guy to come fix it. The good news is, is he'll, he'll fix it. The bad news is, is in a couple of weeks, it's going to be broken again. But we need a new washer right on time for Christmas, right? You spend all this money on your kids and all, whatever, and. Anyways, that's how life works. <laughs> so you're leaving today? I am. It's afternoon. 4.30? Yep. Or 5.30, you're leaving, I guess. you got to be there at 4.30 or something like that? Yeah. Uh, flight's at 5 past 5. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what time you have to be so there? I'll get to the airport about 4.30. You sure? Yeah. All right, man. About 35 minutes more than yeah. time to get through. <laughs> get through Trinidad. I know, but at this time of year, it gets crowded and stuff. We'll, say, hey, we'll be happy if you stay, though. So yeah. if you missed the flight, the flight. oh, well. So you'll be gone for a month. We we talked about this. Yep. Cool. You have a return ticket yet? Nope. You're not coming back. <laughs> oh, well. So this is Simon's last podcast <laughs> with us. I hope you've enjoyed him. Uh, no, it's been a good week, I think. It's been a good productive week, no? Yep. Good week. We had our Christmas fair yesterday at our church. We've been talking about, um, for the past few several weeks, we've been kind of mentioning it, that we're going to do the Christmas fair. And um, yeah, it was yesterday. So we didn't have service in the morning, and um, we it, you know, we just decided that earlier this year we actually made a decision that instead of I don't want to say this in the wrong way because I don't want people to feel like I'm accusing them of anything. That's not if your church does it different, that's great. But for us, we just wanted to be community focused and use these times that we typically use to kind of focus on ourselves to focus on other people. Um, and that sounds bad. I don't mean it like like that, but like. We do Christmas programs for the church most of the time is what I'm trying to say. So we wanted to do something, and it's not bad. That's a, no. It's a good thing. It's a, great. But we wanted to do things for the community. And like our anniversary, we've been talking about our church anniversary. We've been talking about doing a thing to serve the community instead of like, you know, just buying ourselves a cake and saying a happy birthday to the church, which is kind of a weird thing, but whatever. Um because in the past we've just bought a cake that's in the shape of a Bible, and we just eat like just a very classic. yeah classic <laughs> Christian. <laughs> what do we do? Uh, get a cake in the shape of the Bible. Yeah, let's you know. So we've been just something that reflects what Jesus did for us, right? It's like service and and He loved us and all this. So how can we pass that on on these important days that um, are important in our church's history and important in Christian history in general? Obviously. Uh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus on Christmas, and and so I don't know something. And so we did the Christmas fair. Um, I, I felt it went great, mm. honestly. It's rainy season here. If you follow me on Instagram, then you've seen it on. You, you may have, may or may not have seen it on my stories, or I went live on Instagram as well. Um, but uh, so when it rains here, it's rainy season. So there was already a risk to begin with to do the Christmas fair uh, at this time of year. But, I mean, we've got to do something. I think, I don't know, Rudy or Melinda suggested it in the meeting that we do Christmas fair, sure, whatever. And so we did it, um, and, it, of course, it rained, and it rained all day. Here, people see the rain as acid falling from the heavens. Like, they, don't, they just don't. They won't go anywhere. If it rains during, school, during the school year, 
people aren't coming. They're not going to school. So like the days that it rains and the girls have school, half of their class isn't there just because it rained. Mm. And, you know, so rain is not something that people get out in. And so uh, when, when I saw that it wasn't going to stop raining, I said, oh, we're going to get 30 people probably. And like you said, the kids from up and down the street um, will probably come. And so, you know, you, I wasn't down. I was still like, well, we got to do, you know, be excellent for mm-hmm. the glory of God to these 30 kids. And, you know, kind of give myself that internal pep talk about just remembering it's about the one and, you know, all that jazz. And um, so, yeah, let's go. And, you know, got and people came and they just kept coming. Man. Mm-hmm. They kept coming. And like people are walking out in the rain. They had the, they're walking with the tarp over their heads. Like they're all holding it, walking yeah. down the street in the rain. Like it's, it, may, it may not be a big deal for the listener, but like for here, that's, it's mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, a, there was close to 200 people. Yeah. I, I would say definitely over the, over the three hours, mm-hmm. definitely two, at least 200 people yeah. passed through. Yeah, that's it's fair. Yeah, at least 200 people. That's very fair. They counted the, the cups for the drinks. That's mm-hmm. all they, so they, it was like 180, 185 cups yeah. that they gave out for the drinks. Yeah. But a lot of the people weren't yeah. getting the drinks and stuff. And so yeah, yeah. that's why, you know, yeah, there was, there was at least 200 people. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel comfortable saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for our neighborhood, for our church, that's, that is a huge, you know, a lot of them were kids, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the parents are coming and like, it, it was huge, yeah. huge. I, and I was saying to Simon before, I can't imagine what it would have been like had like it not rained. I just can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine. Because we, we're supposed to have horseback riding canceled because of rain. Trampoline canceled because of rain. We're supposed to have some other like outside of events canceled because of the rain. Mm. And so we had everything inside instead. And I, it was just, it was incredible. Mm. It was great. The volunteers, man, just taking, and like I was telling you, we, we talked about this before, obviously. So um, just putting on the, the hat or the, the take, waving the flag of the church, basically, not literally, but like just really taking uh taking it like just being proud being proud of being a part of the church and yeah. it's the first time i saw that and not just like halfway doing stuff yeah. or whatever yeah i think it helped like the small things as well um although if if a couple of my friends are listening to this they're gonna they're gonna laugh at me because i so i've always been again and i don't know why i don't know why i'm against it i think you know when you sometimes you just decide you're against something and then you just continue being against yeah. it for the rest of yeah. your life <laughs> even though you're not sure why yeah. you're against yeah, it yeah so I've always been against the idea that churches should have like uniforms that they should yeah. have like like servers in the church should have a t-shirt that says like yeah, team yeah. Yeah, yeah. church team have help. <laughs> so we had the I'm always, team yeah I'm always, I'm always against this I'm always against that kind of idea yeah, and I'm yeah. like oh, churches shouldn't need that people everyone should be welcoming everyone should be friendly <laughs> you shouldn't need a t-shirt to be a welcomer uh, that's kind of like the stance that I've always taken on that but um, I think a major thing that helped our volunteers yesterday <laughs> was exactly that it's just just the fact we all decided that okay we're all going to wear a black t-shirt yeah. and then we all had the name the, the lanyard yeah, with la- yeah that's a, right a thing on it and it was like any time a volunteer came in like slightly late the first thing they came up to me and said was where can i get a lanyard where yep. can i get a lanyard yeah right and it was just like there was just that i want that i want yeah. that. i want to be part of a team i want to be part <laughs> that's, of that's very true and so i didn't think about like, that so it was like straight away i think people felt they were part of something as yeah. soon as they arrived because they were wearing a black t-shirt and they all had a lanyard that yeah. said team how can i help yeah. you um, and so, you know, maybe I should start changing my, my stance. That, that, that's a good things. point. You know what? Because several people came in late, and of course, and they <laughs> they asked me for, like, yeah. where, where's my name tag? Yeah. Or it's not a name tag. What was it? It said team on it, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was just identify who the, you know, who you yeah. go to for help or whatever. And uh, yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that. And I guess it's some type of psychological yeah. thing, like, to it gets you, oh, I'm a part of this. Yeah. You're proud of your, yeah. your you know, I'm a team, yeah. you know, whatever. 
or staff, I guess is what we would say in English, so, yeah. you know, staff or whatever. And so that's, that's, that's a good point. I didn't think about that at all. Yes, it did. It did. I mean, I don't know if it was just the name tags, but it definitely did. So, people, first yeah. of all, people, no one was like, ah, I'm not going to ask for a name tag. I don't want to wear that thing. Yeah. Everybody was looking for it. And it, it, it did create some type of, yeah, that make, actually makes sense. I didn't think about that. That's a very good point. Yeah, man, it was it went well. And we had several volunteers didn't show up because of the rain. Mm. Um, but we did have volunteers, several volunteers show up in spite of the rain who mm. lived fairly far away. Just and we, you know, super impressive, man. And I don't know, it was just a great yeah. overall. It was a great. I just, yeah. you know, I, did, I I can't say I thought it was gonna be a flop because the, the rain doesn't. I mean, doesn't mean that we did a bad job. It just yeah. rained and people didn't yeah. come, you know. Yeah. But I, I, we've not done something like this before either. So mm, it's like when you nothing. put the when you put the unknown together with the fact that we know <laughs> that things shut when it rains. Yeah, 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 you are. Like when we went down and set up the tables at twelve thirty, I was just like, man, this is going to be one of those days. Yeah, yeah, do all this work, yeah. you know. And then at three o'clock comes, and we're still not quite ready, and no yep. one's really there yet. And then, but what must have been three thirty? Just the place was packed. Yeah, like, within that half an hour period, yep. and it just kept coming the whole yeah, yeah. time, and to the end, people were coming. Yeah, like there were some kids that come to church, and you know, when you see all the kids together, you just get confused. Yeah, yeah. of like who is who, and you don't remember names mm-hmm. or whatever. Or like, where's even lit? Like, you just forget, yeah. and so it just gets confusing because there's you know a hundred and some kids running around, and like uh, he came, he came in as a little boy and with his sister, his older sister, and he said, "What time did this just start or whatever?" I was like, "No, it started at three. And he, the little boy says, "I told you to come at three and like he's <laughs> mad at his sister because you know, and she's thinking like, "Oh, they say three, and she yeah, come yeah. at you know five, and they'll just be getting started." It's like, "Did this just start?" I said, "No, it's gonna be over here in the next thirty or forty-five minutes probably." And so, you know, it was, they, but they had come in the yeah. last hour and then there was adults coming at, to the last hour, you know, showing mm-hmm. up or whatever. It's a really good experience for our church. And the, the idea was just that people, people know we're here. We wanted to celebrate our community, celebrate our neighborhood and um, just take this time of Christmas to just do something so we could spend time together as a community and just get to know them and connect with them. And I feel like that was definitely accomplished. Um, I got to talk to, again, you guys were doing games and stuff and I was like, I, hosting or what you know, just walking around, being an elder, I guess, it's like greeting everybody yeah. and giving out uh, invitations to the church and just chatting with people, and um, just really getting like to get getting a chance to talk to people instead mm-hmm. of just driving by on the motorcycle in the car and waving at them or you know by chance pat you know whatever, but like getting to talk to people and laugh and just make them feel welcome and stuff. And several people told me I, I don't know that they'll come, but they you know they're like man I want to I want to start coming to church here you know blah blah. blah. And the the goal, that's not necessarily, the goal is that people know Jesus. The goal isn't just that they come to church, they mm. get to know Jesus. But that is a step towards that, and a step towards discipleship. Obviously, we believe in our church. We believe in what we preach and teach. And so we definitely want people to come to our church. But that can't be enough that they just, because sometimes we get in that, right? Like, just, oh, they come to the church or whatever. So it was good. It was good. Mm. We did the whole, you, so 200 people. You know how much we the budget was? No. So we did the, a three-hour fair. Games hot dogs for food for everybody everybody got a hot dog and like a drink or whatever 200 people again the games whatever we did all that for less than 200 dollars mm-hmm. like the, it's and if you were to say in the states we're going to do this fair and how much are you going to spend 180 dollars or whatever 150 dollars because some the the not snakes why would i say that the horses <laughs> didn't show up you know or they couldn't come because the rain and stuff yeah. so that takes it down then the, we had some tents to put outside for the, you know, 
those income. And so we spent $200 was the budget. So we actually spent a lot less than that. Mm. And so, but um, if you were to say we were going to do that in the States, then people would laugh at you. There's no way. But that's the, that's the beauty. Uh, like, and I'm not talking about like lack and, and, and poor, but like poverty plus vision equals innovation. Like, you know, like if you were in an impoverished place, like it just is what it is. We don't have a lot of money in our church. And we, as missionaries, we don't, I mean, we don't have as you know our budget's not at what it what it should be or what we would want it to be, mm-hmm. and so and nor should we just finance everything. Every once in a while, definitely we're part of the church too, right? So we can give offerings just like anybody else. But like to consistently finance everything, I don't think is, you know, I think everybody should get a chance to give and participate or whatever. But we don't have the money to finance everything either, and so we did this thing with a budget of I'll say let's say 180 bucks, like which is is actually less than that. Like one hundred sixty-five, hundred seventy dollars, and we did all. That. It's insane, but when you don't have and when you get used to not having, man, it spurs like innovation. So people, it was really awesome to see people come up with creative ideas, like the games. Like we made all the games. We by we, I mean you all. I didn't really do anything. I sanded like two of the holes or whatever, um, and like so we made the games, uh, painted the photo booth stuff or whatever, um, the food stuff. Like made a lot of the ingredients for you know for the hot dog stuff or what, you know, just, and it was really, really just using the things that you have mm. to, to be able to be effective. And it was cool because people had a great time. Everybody, you know, that was, they would tell me, oh, it was great. Thank you so much for, oh, thanks for this. This was awesome. Blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. We had a great time and whatever. And like, we did it all for such a small price. Mm. Imagine if we had a thousand dollar budget. Oh, we probably could have got airplane rides or something, <laughs> you know, like I, like, I don't know how it happened, but it was really cool to see our church to be able to, accomplish things basically with no budget. I mean, that's not a real budget. Mm. But to be able to, to do something and be able to serve the community with almost a, not a zero budget, but mm. pretty close. I mean, but just that, that mentality of innovation. When you have that, though, I think everybody has it in them. Everybody has it in them. They just don't have something that they desire enough mm. to trigger it, right? Because so when you have something that you want bad enough, then it triggers. So you go to you look at prison. I don't know if you watch these little prison shows on TV and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or like the reality, they go in and like they're just talking about different prisons and how life is. Well, these guys make like shanks. You know what a shank is? Yeah. I, don't know. I didn't want to. Oh yeah, well, yeah, that's I see ca- prison break. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, Michael Schofield. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they, you make a shank, but it's because I mean, this is a terrible example now that I'm halfway into it. <laughs> but but like you know, they want to do damage to somebody bad enough, which is a sad thing, right? Which is a different different conversation, different day. But it's sad enough, like they want to do damage to somebody enough or defend themselves enough that they figure out ways to make a shank out of toothpaste and paper towels or whatever. It's insane. You could never do that sitting at your house in the, you know, over in the suburbs. You would never, you would never even think to do that because it's not that necessity. Again, that, that was a poor example. <laughs> We're talking about killing people. And, but anyways, but the thing here is like when you, when you put, create a vision, when you, when you grab a vision and when you present a vision, and it's a God-centered vision, and people start understanding it, then they want it, and they want to go for that. And so everybody starts innovating in their ideas and their creative ways of thinking, of coming up, how can we accomplish this? And it is, it, oh, when you have, when you have one person, you can do that. But when you have, you know, 20 people or so, oh, it's good, it can be great. You can, and you start realizing, well, you can do anything. There's a way to do anything, especially when, you know, when there's a group, you look at Babel, what did God say? When, when man works together, there's nothing he can't do or something like that. Uh, it's, when they're building the Tower of Babel or whatever. And it, it's a very true, true thing. You know, it's, it's really cool to see, like, we don't have money. We don't have, because that's always the excuse. We don't have any money. 
we don't have any money. And you're right. <laughs> we don't. And we would love to have more money to be able to do more stuff and be able to help our community more. But at the same time, it's like, you know, some people present poverty as a sin, but it, it's not a choice. Poverty is not always a choice. So you just, you fell into sin because there's no opportunities in your country or your neighborhood. You fell into sin because you live in a communist. And no, it's not a sin. Definitely. I mean, it's really anti-biblical to even believe that. But, but you know, that doesn't really have to hold you back. It, it can all, all it can work to your advantage because, as well, because you've had to be innovative, you've had to work hard and make stuff, make something out of nothing. It's almost you're almost more of at more of an advantage, poverty because you've you've grown up fighting, than you are like growing up rich and you've never had to work hard for anything or whatever. So it's again, it was cool to see the people in our community in our church to something that you know that has been looked at as a negative. And poverty is never a positive necessarily, right? But like something that's been looked at, as, but they use it to the advantage and to the glory of God. Not using their poverty, but in spite of their poverty, we have a vision. And so the, well, we don't have provision or you didn't think you had provision. But then when you have a vision and like God is enough and you're tested and, and what he's put inside of you is enough and develop these different gifts and people making stuff and painting stuff and cutting stuff out, you know, cooking, whatever the case may be to develop these things so that God can be glorified through this Christmas fair that we did. It's really a cool thing to see for me. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it's really cool. I don't know. No. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. You put the mic <laughs> to your mouth. I thought you were going to say something. But it was good. Um, I also think it gives uh, like a small window into what our church could be, yeah. right? Like, you know. Yeah. If we work together going forward, if we continue on the same page and a vision and keeping yeah. Jesus at the center and the forefront, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think it's a great a great start, not only for our, you know, for for the volunteers that came, because, I mean, as we were chatting about this morning, the volunteers that we had wasn't our usual set of volunteers yeah, that not. you would expect. Like, if you, had, if you two months ago were to stand in front of a church and say, okay, who's going to be volunteering at the Christmas mm-hmm. fate? You, you would have selected a completely different group of people mm-hmm. than those that were actually there there yesterday. So to have yeah. a different group of volunteers there and to have them involved and really going for it, getting them stuck in, uh, that was a great boost for our church as yeah. well. Um, to know, A, that you know we don't rely on certain volunteers. We rely on volunteers, but we don't rely on a certain volunteer yeah. or a group of volunteers. We rely on everyone mm-hmm. from the church to be volunteering and to be yeah. being part of something. Um, and also a great, you know, we, one of the goals that we wanted for 2020 was to start rebuilding the reputation of the mm-hmm. church in our community um you know because i've heard you say it to many many people out and about in the streets <laughs> when, when you go out and you're like man the church has been here for this many years and we've never spoken to you or we've never knocked mm-hmm. on your door or we've never invited you to this thing or we've never done that um and it's like look this year we're really going for it in, the, mm-hmm. in our community in our local community to rebuild the reputation mm-hmm. of the church um, and just to get people invited in and um, mm-hmm. you know, and to, to be that, that light in our community. Uh, and I think this was a great, great step forward for it. Because yeah. again, as we were, I just keep repeating, as we were chatting this morning. Mm. <laughs> because it feels weird. Yeah, it feels phony, like, right? Like, this is like a podcast part <laughs> too, isn't it? We should, just, <laughs> yeah. we should just record our, yeah, yeah, we should. our, our nine o'clock conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but um, let's see, oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Um, Sorry. It's okay. Well, where was it? Where was I going? I don't know, man. That's <laughs> the exciting part of it. Rebuilding reputation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're saying, that, you know, that goes along with what we said. We're rebuilding the reputation of the church, which is mm-hmm. the goal we had this year. It's a yep. great first step. That's it. First step, yeah. Uh, with the future events that we want to mm-hmm. do, 
the just by hosting a good event at the end of this year, people will now look back. And go, oh yeah, that next time we do an event, people will think back to this event. Absolutely. And go, oh, that one worked well. They were friendly. They were mm-hmm. nice. We enjoyed it. And they're doing another one. Let's go on to that one as well. Absolutely. Um, and you know that that Absolutely. plants more opportunities to talk to people, invite people again, and yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it was scary as person that's in charge of children's work. <laughs> To see a hundred plus cr- kids <laughs> <laughs> running around. I thought about that. <laughs> we get it. It's no way. I was like, man, we're just not ready for all these kids. No. <laughs> and like, you don't not want them to come to church. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. like, you're like, not yet. Yeah. We need some more volunteers first. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's not like, oh, it's, oh, they live too far to come. So mm-hmm. you know, they, it wasn't like they came for a special. Of, special yeah. Like they live around the corner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they walked. Yeah. They live right on the <laughs> same street. The corner. Yeah. So. <laughs> And all yeah. those kids are potential, like, oh, you know that, right? Like, they're all yeah, potential yeah. for, like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's a different. They were old. Yeah. I mean, there weren't that many, like, teenagers, were they? It was like, no, it was maybe. You would say 95% of them were under 12, yeah. under 12, 13. In the, the whole thing, there were there were adults, the yeah. kids being the greatest percentage. Yeah. There were kids and there were adults. There were probably four, five, no, there was probably 10 teenagers there. Mm. And some of those, were, you know, girls that come to the church, yeah. those four girls that always come on Sunday. They always come. I don't know their names, but they're always there. They're always attentive and respectful. I've, mm. I don't know any. I really don't know much about them because they leave right out. But they come yeah, every yeah. Sunday, clockwork. And um, they were there. So it was four of them, and then there was a few other teenagers there. But there wasn't a lot of teenagers that yeah. weren't volunteering yeah, in the yeah. church, you know. Yeah. No, it was great, man. I think, and it all, like, I think as we open this can of community or whatever, you know, um, as we get to spend more time with our our, our vecinos, our neighbors. And, um, you know, we, we connect more. I think it's going to reveal more of the needs in the community as well, yeah. which is a good thing. You can help more. But um, I think that's where the things that we've been talking about for a year now almost, the community center comes in. And it's a great, these are steps, right? It's a, it's a process. And I, like you have these, and I'm going to go off on this huge tangent, but you have these moments in ministry, where you, in life in general, where you have to pivot, right? Like you don't necessarily change completely. Of course, sometimes you do, but like you're going for one thing and then, some things change or different stuff. And so you just have to kind of do a pivot. And that was for us is we came here to start a community center for these people and for this community, not for these people, but like, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and uh, we wanted to do that, but then some stuff happened with the church and, and, and we realized how important the church is at the center of any ministry or whatever. And so somehow, you know, I don't, I can't even retell the story cause I don't even, we ended up deeply involved in the church. And then next thing you know, what I'm ended up, being in charge of the preaching and, uh, and an elder and like, I, I don't know how it, but it happened. Right. And so that was a pivot for us. Mm-hmm. It, and it wasn't that we throw the community center stuff away, but it was a pivot. But now it's just, I don't know, like God is just good and faithful in the way that he does things so much better than the way that we do, because we would have come and tried to figure things out through our own processes outside of the church, more or less mm-hmm. of the community. But now the way that it's flown is we've spent the past basically two years of working in silence in the church like there's not been a lot of there's not been a lot of um like I don't there's been testimonies but it hasn't been like sexy work so to mm. speak to the people in the states the supporters and stuff but we've been working in silence more or less and building a foundation and um it seems like there's not a lot going on but there's been a ton going on under the surface you know mm. and so we've um been able to build a solid foundation and just now the church is taking the steps to get involved in the community which kind of takes us back full circle to community center and like i said now the doors are going to open for um, our opening actually for us to see more needs and stuff into the community in the community so now we can help more people in the community with the community center 
uh, going forward, and hopefully this year we can get started on that stuff or whatever. Um, that, yeah, there's because there's so much need here, but to be able to identify it, and when you see it and when you understand it, then you can develop a passion for it. It's hard to develop a passion for something you've never seen or you never experienced mm-hmm. or never heard about, or you're not related to the person that's going through it. Like if somebody sends sends you a text message right now and says, "Billy Bob died of cancer in Vietnam today." Who's Billy Bob? Oh, you don't know him. You never. It doesn't really affect you much, right? Mm-hmm. Like because not because Billy Bob isn't important. It's just there's no relation to it. But when, but if you had you met Billy Bob or had you been a missionary to Vietnam and you met Billy Bob is a terrible example of a name. I'm on a on a roll today on bad examples. But anyways, had you met Billy Bob in Vietnam and what, now it's different because you've been close to him and so you develop a passion for what you're exposed to. And it's our job as believers to expose ourselves to people in different situations, in vulnerable situations specifically. And that's how we do justice, is we expose ourselves to their vulnerabilities and to their life and whatever, because it's hurtful, it's frustrating, and you don't get sleep, and it ruins your life to an extent, mm. because you're so, you, you become consumed with caring about the well-being of the people in your community, and this is the way it's supposed to be. Not your life ruined, but you, 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 you're heartbroken by this stuff, but then you begin to trust in God and walk in faith, and how can I help these people? And so I think that this is also laying the groundwork for the community center, you know, for us to be able to connect and really know these individuals. Yeah. Oh, that's Martha. That's Sandra. That's, you know, uh, Esperanza. You know, that's uh, that's Miss whatever. That's all oh, that's such and such kids. Mm-hmm. Knowing the people in the community, being connected to them so that when they go through hurts, then we are moved to not just respond to their hurts, but respond to situations and to continue to fight for justice. Whatever it is that's causing them hurts or an injustice in their life, whether it be sickness, then we can promote health care through the, through, through the hospital here, or whether it's through discrimination, we can fight that in different ways, or whether it's through lack of employment, we can, we can fight that through providing businesses through the community center. So, you know, so we, can, we can attack the roots of these things instead of just you know, attacking it. But you can only do that if you're really connected to the, the people who are going through it, you know what I mean, so you don't, if you have a passion for it. So I feel like this is going to open a door so that for us to develop a deeper passion, because I feel like we're passionate about it, mm. but a deeper passion and become more connected to the people in the community. And that I, I, my hope and my expectation is that that will carry over through us doing the community center and programs and stuff here. And um, speaking of, there, there is a, a house behind us that it's been unofficially for sale for a long time, but the guy didn't have a price. So now he's put a price on it. There's four lots and there's a, there's a structure, there's a house on it for $100,000. That place would be perfect to start, a perfect starting point to be able to do some stuff to, out, to reach out to different people. Because mm. that's three lots of excess, basically, so you can build different stuff on there. And then behind it, there's two more lots for sale as well, but he hasn't set a price yet. Mm. And so it'd be great to be able to do a fundraiser, do that stuff as a starting point at sometime this year to be able to piggyback off of not just... It sounds like we're talking about the Christmas fair. We're not really talking about that anymore. Like, but yeah. just this is just the first step of it. But then to go on and carry that over into, you know, reaching people in the community on a consistent basis and in yeah. a deeper confronting problems of injustice and, and whatever on a deeper uh, on, a, on, a, on a deeper level, you know. And um, so, yeah, uh, another thing that made me think about the community center stuff is the other day I saw uh there's a lot of Venezuelan refugees, and if you don't know what's going on in Venezuela, you just a quick Google search will update you. It's just it's tragic, it's terrible. Um, their money is worthless now. Um, this is not good. I'm not going to get into all this political stuff, but it's not good. So, anyways, the people are leaving Venezuela in droves, in droves, and so a lot of them are trying to get to Argentina or Peru or somewhere that has at least a higher hope of them getting uh, gaining employment. And so, a lot have been coming through here. 
because they'll, they'll basically hitchhiking or the not hitchhiking, um, asking for money until they get enough for a bus ticket to go to the next city until they get to their final destination. So the other day I saw a bunch a bunch of Venezuelans out at one of the stoplights of um, I guess one of the main intersections here, a Bolivar and like mm-hmm. that rotunda right there by the gas station, and um, they're out there holding signs and stuff. And I don't remember what it, I didn't I didn't even read the signs, but I was with one of the one of the young guys from the church and. Um, we swung around and we just started talking to them and stuff, man. And it was just, I just broke my heart to see people looking for, really, want, there's a, a lady with a baby out there. And there's, you know, the people, they just, you had to leave everything you know. Everything that you know, you had to leave it behind and go to a place that you're not familiar with. And you don't even really, they're not even really sure of their final destination. Hmm. I asked the guy and he said, oh, we want to go to Lima. Well, unless we find employment here, then we'll just stay here. Like, he doesn't even know. And he's the man, he's the, he, you know, he's the father, he's the husband. So they're looking to him for direction, more or less, or whatever, you know. And, and he doesn't know. Hmm. But it's out, completely out of his control. And, like, it's, it was a terrible, I just had, a, as a father and as a, as a man or whatever, I had a ter- like, you want to provide for your family, man. You want to be able to provide for them. And, and it, just, it, was, it destroyed my heart. Like, you know, I wasn't out there crying on his shoulder or anything, but, like, like it, uh, you know, we had a conversation, but it was terrible. And he didn't ask me for money. He didn't ask me for food. He asked me for work. Like, I was like, well, you know, I'll keep my eye open. Like, what do you guys do? Because I don't have money to employ somebody else right now. Like, I just, you know, so what do you guys do? And he's like, anything. I was like, well, yeah, I know you'll do anything, but like, what is your specialty? And one guy was like agricultural stuff. And he was a veterinarian and like agro something before. So he did like gardening stuff, but he also like took care of like cattle and gave them their injections and like all this type of, uh, vaccinations and all that type of stuff. And so like just looking for anything and work and stuff. And it, I was like, man, what if we could one day develop a pro? What if we we're in a position already would be great, but what if we could one day develop a program to where like we could take these people in six months at a time and just let them get on their feet, work for six months, get on your feet, and then rotate you out for, for more people or whatever. Stuff like that is where the community, community center gains its value, you know? And um, I, I think, it, I, know, I know immigration is a big topic in the, in, the, in the U.S. right now, and there's a lot of people, there's a lot of different positions a lot of feelings and stuff, but I, when I and I can't tell you if these Venezuelans are entering legally, illegal. I have no idea, no idea. And I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't care. Be, it, am I saying I want it to be a free for all coming to Bolivia? No, that's not. It, but that's not my job. Hmm. I'm not a border agent or whatever. I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a missionary. So their job is to decide who can come and who can, who goes and who can stay and who leaves. My job is to love people. So like I'm not checking your my, my hope for you is not based on checking your immigration paper I, like I'm not into that mm-hmm. and I, as long as you are here regardless of how you're here my job is to love you but like period and so for and I think it's an opportunity too like I I don't want to say that God is sending illegal immigrants to I don't I, I don't know but He's God has seen fit that they come across our path of us and so how are we stewarding these encounters of these people who are our neighbors. Indeed, they're our neighbors. Like, they're our neighbors, you know? And so, they, I, I think through the community center and stuff like that, man, when I see these people out there, because there's probably more coming out here, they, well, they, as soon as they get here, they go straight to the corner and try to, you know, get money to go to the next city or look for work or whatever. Like, man, what if we could do something to help these people? Jesus is constantly talking about the refugee and blah, blah, blah. And these people are legit refugees. Legit. They're not just people that just wanted to explore legit refugees there's no food like you have to wait what a whole day to get diapers and toilet paper and you you can have it was like 
couple thousand bolivares, I think, is their money. And it's not enough to buy toilet paper. Like, it's, it's, it's all worthless. The toilet paper is literally worth more than the money is. And, like, it's a disaster. So these people are refugees, man. And, you know, the immigrant and the refugee and stuff. Like, I, again, if the government decides they can leave, then that's between them and the government. But as, as long as they're here with us, like, as long as they're here in Trinidad, I do feel like we have some type of, uh, dare I say, responsibility to at least try to help, you know, or so, to try to build something to do something. And I feel like, I don't know, the community center would be, will be a great place to have programs like that as well for, you know, immigrants, refugees, people looking for a better life and just a place to help them get on their feet. Even if you do one family at a time, and that's a huge thing. You say, okay, you guys can live up in this top floor of that house over there for six months. Six months and we'll write the contract out. You're going to sign it. We're going to get a notary, whatever it is. We're not kicking you out. That's not what it's about. But it's a six-month program to get you on your feet. You live rent-free or you can find some sponsors. Who wants to sponsor this family? Grocery shop for them every, for six months. You work, save your money, and then you get your own apartment or whatever you, you do. But, I mean, and then, you know, move another family. Something like that. I don't know. I'm just thinking in a moment right now. But just something has to be done, you know, and that's why we're here. And not just as missionaries, but as Christians. That's what I'm referring to. That's why we're here, is we're here to love people and share the love of Jesus with them. And, you know, Jesus healed lepers. So how can I not help somebody save money? Like, you know, like, I, I feel like he went way further than just, you know what I mean, helping, like it's way deeper touching and healing lepers than oh, we're going to help you get a job. So if he does, if he goes that far with it, then we can go that shallow with it, you know, helping people in that way, shape, or form. And it wouldn't just be, you know, like, but that same idea for Venezuelan refugees is people in our own community, man, for providing jobs if necessary. I mean, I want to, I want one day to have like a business center of the community center to, to have different shops. Like I want to do a carpentry shop. That's more of a dream than it is a goal, but also want to do like a textile shop and want to do like a printing shop. They do like print t-shirts and print out flyers and stuff like that. So you can provide jobs in those different places. All anything that it makes would go back in the red roots. It won't. Ramon's not gonna. Ramon's not gonna make anything. I'm sure there will be days where I wish that it would. But I'm, you know, Ramon and Melinda aren't gonna benefit off of it. But we want to do that to provide jobs for these people in this community and give them tools to be able to move forward and stuff. And I mean, the Venezuelans would enter right into that and just helping people, man, and helping people promote to you know getting on their feet and becoming stable and dignity, man. Everybody deserves dignity. It's, I don't know. I'm getting off on a tangent, but that's the uh, the community. I don't know. I'm I'm I'm. I guess that we've talked a lot off off the podcast about how you know we have high expectations for this year in a good way. But that's one of my expectations is that we really get to start us community center stuff off in one way or another. If it's buying property or I don't know whatever it looks like, but just taking the first step because the more I go around here, the more I talk to people in this neighborhood. Or the more I see Venezuelans, I'll have to, like, I'm like, oh, this is a necessity. This is urgent. This isn't like, oh, yeah, maybe one day in 10 years. No, this needs to be done. This, this need is a need for it. And it is somewhat urgent. Tomorrow urgent? Yeah, it's tomorrow urgent, but that's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. But like, so somebody's got to do something. And then you realize that, oh, I'm somebody. You're somebody. You know, we're people. We're somebodies. Yeah, that's the thing. We're somebodies. So I don't know. That's where I am. You've talked a lot about community center stuff as well. And, I mean... I think you have a lot of really good ideas and, and stuff. I don't know. I just, I, it's something that could be so, so effective here. So effective here. I don't know. So this year, hopefully, we'll get, take some, some steps. Yeah, take some steps, steps towards, towards that, that, for sure.
So you're leaving today, Christmas yeah. in Santa Cruz with your uncle. Santa Cruz. Yep. Out with us. And then you come back January. So we do Christmas this week. We got church on Sunday. I don't know what I'm gonna preach on. I think I'm I told you I think I'm gonna preach on either expectation or forgiveness the last mm. Sunday of the year. Just wanna I don't know. Then we'll do the Vision Sunday. I got a lot of work for Vision Sunday. A lot of stuff to do. I'll probably be sending you some different stuff so you can see. Just go over some of the, mm-hmm. <laughs> go over some of the stuff. Man, it's a, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it'd be worth it in the end. Yeah. And then after that, we'll go into a series of First John, then Second John, then Third John. So, yeah, this is it's a good, interesting time. Is that like the thirteenth plane that's flown over? I feel like there's been planes flown over all morning. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so. I'm excited for this week. It's my birthday. I turned 35. I'm old on, what day is Wednesday? Wednesday, Tuesday, yeah, yeah Wednesday. Yeah, on Wednesday I turned 35. They, my family asks me every year, what do I want to do for my, for my birthday? And like, absolutely nothing. Like, I just want to do nothing. Hmm. I want to sit on the couch or lay in the bed or I don't know, do nothing. It's not realistic by any means, but hey, you can ask. Every year, actually, they, they they typically like try to facilitate. It's just not realistic in life, you know. Yeah. They try to facilitate that. And the older I get, the longer I probably <laughs> want to stay in and be on the bed or whatever. But yeah, so that's coming up. So Christmas for everybody. Uh, what else? Oh no, we'll be back here before the new year. I was going to say New Year. Yeah, yeah. So December thirtieth, we'll be back. We'll do one more po- one more podcast before the end of the year. But you won't be here. Melinda will be here. We'll have to phone you in and do that. No, we won't do that. We'll just let you enjoy your vacation. So, yeah, it's going to be a good time. If you're listening to this, Merry Christmas. And no, not Happy New Year yet. Just Merry yeah, Christmas. Just Merry Christmas. I get, so you, you get used to saying both yeah, of those yeah. together, right? The, the song even, Happy New Year, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, Merry Christmas to you and your and your family. We hope that you enjoy um, this holiday season, we say holiday because it includes, you know, it goes from Thanksgiving to New Year, not because we don't like saying Jesus. We love saying Jesus. Um, or Christmas. <laughs> but we and you have happy holidays, good time with your family. Merry Christmas. Um, enjoy your Christmas Eve candlelight service. Simon loves <laughs> candlelight services. <laughs> and uh, no, we, we love you guys. We, are, we appreciate everything you do for us, your support, your love, your prayers. Um, listening to this podcast even and just keeping up with what's going on. It's important to us. And um, the ones of you that do listen, it, it, it's a big big deal to us that you listen and just know what's going on and you're supportive of us and just loving us in that way. So, I don't know, we're forever grateful and I could continue on or whatever, but um, yeah. Thank you for listening. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'll say it just in case you don't listen to the next one. And uh, yeah, you got anything else? Nope. Good. Uh, all right, he's ready to go. So, all right, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all the above. Um, thank you so much. We love you all. And uh, provecho.